Original content. Content. Compelling discussions. Audio on demand. This is a Podcast 225 production. Synonyms of the word change. change. Alter. Make different. Become different. Adjust. And every day, we evolve. We adapt. We change. And this is where we talk about it. This is The Clay Young Show. Well, guess who's back? The podcast. The podcast is back. Episode 274 of The Clay Young Show is back in your ear. And we got a good one for you today. How you been? The hiatus is over. We've been working on a couple of things. One of them is up and running now. The TV project, The Clay Young Show on WBRZ Plus, every Friday at 7.30 p.m., re-airing on Saturdays at 2 o'clock and 2.30. We did our sixth episode last week and loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, and looking forward to doing many, many more. Uh, Speaking of that, the guest who's on the show today is going to do the TV show coming up here soon. Adonica Duggan with the Baton Rouge Alliance for Students is going to be in studio with us to talk about the upcoming school year. I've known AD for a while, and she is super committed to young people and public education. And so I can't wait for those of you who have not met her to at least from an audio perspective, get to meet her and hear how she thinks about what is ahead for us in the school year. Hopefully you're doing well this summer. It's been a hot one. And here in Louisiana, it's been a rainy one, too. We've had, what, about 60 inches of rain since the beginning of the year. And, I mean, just over it, over it, over it, over it. Car wash places are making a hell of a lot of money, though, because you can hit one of them today and think, I got a day, I got a day. And then before you get to the evening, you just get washed out by some storm. And then there's the next day. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. But anyway, hope you're doing great. I'm doing great. Excited to be with you and talking with you on the show again. We'll get these rolling and get them happening. The other project I've been working on is the 21st Century Business Forum. So I'm working with the Baton Rouge Business Report and namely namely Julio Malera. This is Julio's project. And it is an online interview series where... The CEOs of some of the largest companies in America and some of the most well-known business moguls and leaders, executive leaders, share their thoughts on leadership, execution, winning, building a team, all of the above. And I recorded my first episode earlier this week that's going to run later this year with Michael Dubin. Now, Many of you may have heard the name. Some of you have not. Probably of you ladies, you probably have not. Michael Dubin is the force behind Dollar Shave Club. Now, he he, he resigned from the board earlier this year. He sold the company after about a decade. So the story is, and he'll talk about it on the show. You'll get to watch it. He was at a party talking with a guy about the cost of razors. That turned into an idea that turned into a business, Dollar Shave Club, that 10 years after starting it, it turned into a sale for a billion dollars. Fascinating story. Fascinating story. So he'll go through that and let you inside of his mind. It was an interesting interview, 
And I'll just leave it at that because of where he was. But uh, looking forward to it. So the upcoming school year is upon us and teachers and principals and administrators are getting ready for it. Our own school superintendent is you know, marshalling all of his resources to be ready for the school year and whatever the coronavirus is going to do to us is more of that, right? Well, what's going to happen with that? And then what do we do to impact kids in public ed? How do we reach them, pull them in, make them fall in love with their potential? Let's talk about that with Adonica Duggan, who will be here in studio. Podcast225.com. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. Listen, I know everybody's buying stuff for the mosquitoes now from Pest Stop, but there's another culprit that you need to deal with, and that is spiders. Ooh, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about it. Let's do, because there's very few things on the market that are effective on spiders. Right. That's because there's only a very small part of the anatomy that actually comes in contact with anything, and that would be the bottom of the feet. When they walk across a doorway. Exactly right. And most molecules dry so tight, uh-huh. they're not effective. It, they just walk right over it, with the exception of one that we have. Okay. And it, the way the, the molecules dry on it, they kind of crystallize. So if the spider crawls across it, it attaches to the bottom of their feet. Spiders are self-groomers. So as they groom themselves, they ingest it, and it lights out within a short period of time. You got to go to the showroom of Pest Stop, and I got to ask, where can I get this stuff if I'm in the capital city region? Well, in Baton Rouge, we're located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a block south of Old Hammond Highway. Or if you have questions, just give us a call at 273-4788. The only interactive podcast in the capital city that lets you help solve a crime. There was a shooting. Okay, is someone shot? Yes, someone is shot. The Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young. Just some suspicious people running through the parking lot before. Real stories. It was my first love. Real crimes. Real people. Real justice. Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young, exclusively at podcast225.com. This is podcast225.com and The Clay Young Show. Back with Adonica Duggan, a force of nature here in education across Louisiana. She's a good friend of mine, and she is leading the resistance. No, no, no. She's actually leading a movement to make certain that students are first. She is the CEO of the uh, Baton Rouge Alliance for Students, and she's partnered with some people that I respect, and one of which is also a good friend, Liz Smith, who left the Baton Rouge Area Chamber to come work with you. And so you have been a teacher. You have worked in administration, um, and now you are over this organization. You know, what led you to here, to this spot right now? Yeah, so I actually haven't been a classroom educator. I am the daughter of an educator. Oh, I thought you were a teacher. Okay. No, I am the daughter of an educator, (laughs) and I've spent the last almost 20 years in public education in and around Baton Rouge. So really excited about the opportunity to be a part of the solution for kids in Baton Rouge and to really make our mark on what we think is a really unique moment in in, in this ecosystem for kids. What you, so tell me, so from working, so you've worked in Zachary and, yeah. and did you, you worked in EBR uh, under Warren Drake? I did. And then you left when you, where'd you go when you leave, when you left EBR? Yeah. So I spent about 12 years in the formation of the Zachary school district. I was mm-hmm. the third employee hired by the Zachary <laughs> community school district in 2003. And then um, spent two years as, as the chief of communications for EBR school system before joining the new schools for Baton Rouge team. And I was right. able to manage external affairs for that team for the last four years before leaving to start the Alliance. To start, to start the Alliance. What is the Alliance? 
Yeah, the Baton Rouge Alliance for Students is a new local nonprofit focused on empowering families, engaging leaders, and elevating community in our city. So that means that we do a lot of work around helping people to understand the issues of public education in Baton Rouge. What are the issues? Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're a parent and who, who's experienced the last few years, you know, I think COVID really brought the issues in public education front and center. And so mm -hmm. for families who are well-informed and who have means, there were a lot of things that were different for them in navigating the, the pandemic. For families who didn't have means, I think that brought to the forefront some of the issues that we've always had. Some students have always been underserved in our community, and yeah. we, we have to work on elevating every kid in Baton Rouge. It's interesting because everybody who knows you knows, me included, how passionate you are about this space yeah. and and why it's so important. You know, you and I have had so many conversations, A.D., about why we need to impact these kids. Most of the problems we're seeing in the streets right now with crime start to all of the social areas that are not being addressed, one of which is public public schools and how public education impacts these children. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, at the Alliance we say that uh, an excellent education is every child's birthright. Mm -hmm. And I am a firm believer that we cannot fix the problems in Baton Rouge if we don't fix public education. Right. I think it's core and foundational to who we are as a city. We can't have a quality workforce. We can't have the quality of life that we want for our citizens. We can't attract businesses. We can't help people be who God created them to be. Right. You know, for me, fundamentally, this gets back to the fact that I believe that Every child has the potential for greatness within them, mm -hmm. and it is the job of the adults in the systems to unlock that greatness. And I think we have an opportunity to unlock the greatness of every child in our community, and I think we're going to be so much better for it if we do. Do you think, and this is, and I know this question is going to have an obvious answer, but, I, but I'm asking for a specific purpose. Do you think we do enough to keep children in the forefront of where education should be? <laughs> Yeah, I, I had to laugh at that one, Clay, because I think you know that yeah. I'm super passionate about the fact that, you know, one of the biggest challenges that I see in public education is that we focus on so many issues that mm -hmm. aren't about students. Right. I think that we have to return to focusing on students and families as the core end user of public education, and we have to frame every decision-making process through the lens of, is this what is right for kids? Mm -hmm. Because if we, if we stay true to that, we get to the right answers. And I think it's when we deviate from what's right for kids, what's best for every child, for making sure that their needs are met. I think one of the challenges is that we don't have a common vision in Baton Rouge of what we want for every kid in our community. Right. We, we don't have this thing that we've all stacked hands on and said, this is what to have a child well-educated in our community looks like. Right. And we're gonna invest the resources in achieving that shared vision for every child in our community. I don't think the public knows about what you just said. I mean, the, the, the layman's people who are out there living their lives, doing their thing. They're people who are in the public ed space, who are at the board meetings, who are talking with school board members, who are engaging the district. But the average John Q citizen out there, they're just trying to make a living and go about their way. Yeah. So then I'd like you to double down on why you don't believe kids, and I agree with you, by the way, why you don't believe kids are often at the forefront of decision making or even the discussions that are being had. Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. I think kids don't vote. And, I, mm. you know, well, and, so, you and so I think that 
when we get into conversations about what we want to do and who we want to prioritize, often the loudest voices in the room are those of people who are representing one interest group or another who don't necessarily represent the interests of students and families. And so, you know, how could that happen? Yeah. Well, I think absent, you know, I will, I'll say this, I have four kids of my own Mm -hmm. and I think that every parent is engaged in making sure that the children who live in their household get the best education. Correct. I think that that is every parent's responsibility. Yeah. But I also think that for those of us who have the ability and the means to do so, we have to be engaged in making sure that every child in 100%. our community is educated effectively. And so I think that what we've been doing is, as a city, we've been taking care of our own, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's taking care of their own child. No one's taking their head up to see what's going on with every child in the community right. and holding those in charge accountable for making sure that those those kids are being educated in a way that we want for every kid in Baton Rouge. What should be the expectation? So if, if, if someone, you know, if you go to a, a restaurant and you order a burger, you, you expect two buns, you expect the beef and maybe some, some condiments and things on, you, you kind of have a general expectation of what a burger is going to look like, you know, varying levels depending on where you are. School district could be different because I don't know that people often know what to expect. So what should their expectation be? What's what's the norm, the standard? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I think that there what if Adonica got to wave a magic wand and was able to create She's got one. She's got one. <laughs> was able to create She's got one, doesn't she, Liz? It's in the office. She's got one. <laughs> yeah, I wish a lot of things would be different around here. I want to be clear. Um, no, but if I were able to wave a magic wand or as we start to do our work and, you know, we keep our eyes on the future that we're trying to create for kids in Baton Rouge, I mm-hmm. think a diverse set of schools that serve the needs of every family in this community so that every family has a school that represents their values. Mm-hmm. I have four kids. Every one of them needs different things from their school. Sure. I think that there should be a school that uh, there should be diverse schools that address the needs of diverse learners. So if your child is best suited for a magnet school program that ex- that allows him or her to excel in arts or whatever it is that they're interested in, I think we should have a school that caters to those needs. If you're a family that prioritizes something else, I think that we should have a school that you're allowed to select that caters to the needs of your family. Right, right. So when you engage parents, and you and I have talked about this before, you know, it's tough because in the areas that are that are the most disinvested, you have such a high percentage of parents who can't read. Mm-hmm. And the kids, I mean, it's it's a bad cycle. Mom and dad, if dad is there, could be in a compromised position. And you got these kids. I mean, that's a tough situation to fix. And you can't put all of that on the school system. But obviously, if they're not reading, public ed has something. There's there's some factor in there that we could do something different different about. Yeah, I, I think that um, schools should be the unit of change. Okay. I believe that schools can be the unit of change if we put the right resources in those schools. And so I think that when you have quality educators who have the ability to bring in supports to address the needs of the students that they're serving. Mm-hmm. Schools can be the unit of change. We see it all the time. Right. There are successful schools that do this very well across our city and across right. the state. Right. I think, um, you know, for families who are in our most underserved communities, I think the reality is I don't believe that any mother or father wakes up and doesn't want the best for their child. Right. I think they may not know how to get the best for their child. Yeah. And I think that's our responsibility as a community to ensure that we're not relying on the educational attainment of a parent to determine the educational outcomes for a child. Because hmm. I think when we do that, 
we're, we're just perpetuating the cycle. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you look at the district and there are, I think, a lot of people in the school system here as they are around the country who do care about children, who, who choose education or academia because they want to impact young people and, and, and give something back. You certainly don't go in to become <laughs> rich, right? No. And, and, and so having said that, this, this stigma that the EBR system has had for so long, you know, hasn't moved away. And I'm wondering what it's going to take to move away. We have a new school superintendent. He's only about to have his first school year, so he doesn't have a full game under his belt yet to judge you know, his performance on that level. But in terms of the brand, the brand has, has taken a beating. I mean, there was a little window of sunlight when Warren Drake was first in there, and then it just went back to the norm, to people being down on the district. What about that? Yeah, I think that we have a district that, you know, as someone who spent a couple of years of my career in that district and knows it intimately, I think we, and also a product of EBR schools, mm-hmm. K through 12, I think that we have a district that serves the needs of families in some parts of the community yeah. very well. Okay. I think there's some shining examples of success in EBR schools, and we need to have more of that. Yeah. I also think that, you know, historically, the system has suffered as many large urban school systems have for a lot of factors that have to do with what's going on in the school system and some external factors. What are some of those factors? Yeah, I think, um, you know, desegregation in Baton Rouge has had a huge impact on the way families experience schools. I think that, you know, you can't underestimate the history of what has happened in our school system Mm -hmm. and the remedies that very well-intentioned leaders were trying to put in place to address some of the challenges of that period. I think we deal with the legacy of that today Mm -hmm. and i think that that means that certain schools have not had the investment of resources that they need i think certain schools need more Mm -hmm. you know i think that there are challenges around serving children who live in poverty and we need to be putting more resources if that's if that's a commitment that we have as a community to really educating those kids well we know that it's going to take more resources and we've got to be putting more resources in schools that have high concentrations of children in poverty you know it's it that's such a well stated reality but it become it, it's it's it, it's been so political, you know. It's like you when you go into these communities that are really in bad shape, and you see the reality, and you look around. I don't think you could be a person of any level of character and not see how the cookie cutter model can't work here, because what what could work in a part of Baton Rouge that has mostly affluent or upper upper middle class neighborhoods is probably not going to work for some of these kids who say live in 7080. Oh, we always jump on 7080.5. There's a bunch of yeah, there are bunch of zip, codes. zip codes. And it's like for instance, children who only eat when they're at school. Mm-hmm. Right? Children who who learn social graces only when a teacher pulls him or her aside and shares something with them. And that's not to say that's the majority of children. I'm just saying that reality does exist. And then you've got the mothers who are working jobs because nobody talks about the fact there are some moms who live in the hood who work two and three jobs and trust the kids to raise themselves. So the model that you would that you would use in some areas, it just ain't going to work there. That's right. So why is there always resistance to acknowledge that? 
You know, I think that we have to really be honest about what we want from our schools. And I think that what we want in some communities is a lot more. Yeah. And we have to put the resources there and we have to allow, you have to put great leadership. I think, you know, just like any other business, Mm -hmm. this comes down to great leadership. Who's at the top? You've got to have great leadership from the superintendent. You've got to have great leadership from principals at a school building level. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think then you've got to trust them and give them the autonomy to say, you know what's best for the kids in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So you know that they need an after-school program that provides summer feeding, uh, that provides evening feeding. Yeah. Or you know that yeah. th- that means that you need maybe more social workers on your campus because more of your kids are dealing with trauma. Or right. whatever it is that you need to have to make sure that your kids are set up for success. As a principal, we're going to trust you to allocate your budget to address the needs of the kids in your school. And then we're going to hold you accountable for making sure that they get to what we've said is the bar for what we expect for kids in your school. So you see a lot of that with charters. I've gotten a chance to visit some charters here and in New Orleans and watch how they operate with the kids because they're public schools. And they, they have to be accountable to the district for how their kids perform, but they get to be Picasso. They get to be Stevie Wonder. They get to be the artist, you know, the, 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 the improvisational, you know, tool there. And then you see how the kids interact with those environments. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't exist in the traditional public schools, but the levels are not the same. Why? If I, if I'm running a business AD and I'm watching AD's model of doing something and we're in the same place, I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's cool. I like that. I want to let me integrate that into what I'm doing. But there seems to be resistance to that. I think there's always resistance to things that are new and different. Right. And so I think innovation and the ability to try different things. Yeah. Often kind of raises our for those of us who are of a generation that went to school. That was it was very cookie cutter. Yes. Whether you went, you, you <laughs> listen, you're getting one flavor. here. That's, that's this right. is what we're having. That's right. And so, you know, I mean, the idea that we need to in 2021 have a school system that fits every family's needs we are we are a culture that has gotten used to having choices and having things done our way we are like burger king you can have it your way right right Right. and so i think that we've got to i think that parents and community are demanding that Mm -hmm. and i think that that has always been a demand of more affluent families it is now becoming more of a demand of families who are recognizing that they can have a public education that fits their needs. They're learning what their expectations should be. Absolutely. I mean, the EBR school system has a nearly half a billion dollar a year operating budget, almost a half a billion dollars. And we hear so much conversation about money. Now it's a big operation with all this brick and mortar and all the people. So I'm sure even some of the old antiquated buildings are money sucks because of how you heat and cool and maintain them. But a half a billion dollars. I mean, you would think maybe we could do some things differently to to be able to get more money to the kids. When West Feliciana can give kids MacBooks and all this stuff, it's like EBR. Are we doing that here? Well, I think that um, one, we've got to really streamline. I think that you know we we always say a budget is a statement of your values, yeah, right? And yeah. so, if we want to concentrate resources closest to kids, we've mm-hmm. got to really focus in on areas where we need to trim a little bit of fat. Right. And we need to say. For us as a community, our priority is what happens in the school building level. And so we're going to make sure that 
whatever it is that we agree, whether that's a MacBook in every child's hand or whether that's, you know, a, a different level of social emotional learning. Sure. Whatever that looks like, we've got to say we're going to prioritize that over these other things that we could be spending a little less on. And we're going to make sure that we are running as lean of an operation as we can to make sure that we, we're putting our resources where we want. Them. You know, you got a couple of young school board members who are mavericks, you know, uh, Darius Lannis and Tramel Howard, they come in and, you know, they're young. They're, they're still young enough to be associated or connected to the movement of young people who want to see things be better. But they're both educated enough to understand, you know, the applied science of building something. And then you've got people like uh, Evelyn Ware Jackson, who I think is just the sweetest person you can ever meet. There are, you know, other board yeah. members who are in, too. If you could give me your perspective on our school board and, you know, what you think is working and, and what you would like to see a little different. Yeah, I think really um, one of the things that we think a lot about at the Alliance is that we've got to have a school board that's reflective of what the community values. Okay. And so I think these school board members operate largely in isolation. And so um, some of them more than others. Yeah. I think we have parts of the community who aren't really focused in on what's happening with public education, whether it's because they've made different choices for their own children and have their children in. We have one of the highest private school utilization rates in the country. Wow. So that means that we have a lot of families who have decided to do something else for their children's education. Right. I would argue and do argue loudly that <laughs> you're laughing because you're shocked there, Clark. No, I'm laughing because in, in, I won't even say what I said in my inner monologue. <laughs> it's like, you know, I know you, right? So. I would argue and argue loudly that no matter what the choice you make for your own child's education, yeah. quality education in Baton Rouge should matter to all of us. Period. And so I think that, you know, it's an issue that we've all got to be plugged into. Yeah. And I think that the way that that translates is we've got to have a community that shows up at school board meetings, mm -hmm. pays attention to what their, knows who their school board member is. But why should they care, AD? I mean, that's, and that's the thing. I, I agree with you. Yeah. But for so many people, they're just said, the hell with this. I, I'm, nothing's going to change. You know, you know the, yeah. the that whole apathetic song that was you know sang for so long. Nothing's going to change. Why should I go there and do anything about it? But the truth is that isn't the truth. Well, I think that I think that isn't the truth. I think we we have an opportunity. I think we've see, we are about to experience one of the largest federal federal investments in education mm -hmm. in a generation. Oh yeah. And so we have an opportunity right now to set our school system up for success. Over we we're either going to look back on this period of time and said, man, we got it right and really set Baton on a trajectory of yeah. what we wanted yeah. or we're going to look back and say we missed the boat this is the decade though right like this is the decade to, for us to figure it out and then we're battling the pandemic and whatever that's going to look like going forward so here's the other thing we, I referenced earlier we had a new school new school superintendent who's going to come in here again at some point and talk with us if you know I know that Alliance is an operation that is a ship, a vessel unto itself, yeah. sailing the waters on its own, which makes it you know so intriguing to think about. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Sure. But if if you're sitting in a room, all right, and you're you are saying to the superintendent, here are some things that I really think I the district should saw on based upon your experience here, the work you've done. What would those things be? Just a, a few of them. Yeah, I think you've really got to be responsive to family. 
I think you have to understand at all times who your end stakeholder is, and you have to understand that every every child and every family in this community has a choice about education, and you right. want EBR schools to be that family's choice. Yeah, yeah. And so you've got to take a look at your operations and where there are opportunities to scale something that's really successful and wildly popular. Do that. Where there are things that you can't fill up or you are experiencing a lot of challenges, you need to take a hard look at whether or not that's something you need to be continuing as a practice. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, I think part of the challenge is, and I'll go back to something we were saying about why everybody should care. I think you've got to have everybody in this community rowing in the same direction as Mm -hmm. it relates to their interest in public education. Everybody should care because we are not going to be able to fix crime in this city if we don't fix education. We are not going to be able to attract quality businesses to this city if we don't fix public education. Correct. There are are so many core issues that we're trying to solve as a city that we can't solve if we don't fix education. And you have people dumping on the system and throwing the system away, not realizing you need the system. It's a big part of the lifeline. You should invest in the system and and, and try to support what what it does for kids. You know, a couple more things. You know, we've talked about offline, you and I've talked about young black men. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that I think that the vast majority of these young men are salvageable. In life, some people are just hell bent on being destructive, self destructive, and destructive to others around them. But most of these kids are in environments where they've been seasoned by things that they didn't control, thus making it hard to get them to engage in school with the exception of maybe sports, you know, athletics. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on how we can recapture these young men who are so vital to the future of our community? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get emotional about this because I do feel really passionately about the work that I do. I think that we've got a challenge in this city because we have a belief gap. Mm. We do not believe in the greatness of every child. And so we're willing to accept less for some kids in our community. And I think that we've got to start taking a hard look at ourselves and ask ourselves, why are we willing to accept less for young black men in this community and hold and not hold the bar for what we want for their lives? Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we, we really got to take a hard look at what we're accepting from from them and what they're and what they're seeing reflected in the adults who are not holding them accountable because right. they don't expect anything right. better for them. Like, I think there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, it's it's, it's okay because that's their expectation. Yeah, because that's who they are. That's what they do. And, you know, to that point, not only is it, yeah, the soft bigotry of low expectation. Absolutely. It is, it, it, the stigma the kids wear, mm-hmm. you should expect more from them. And by the way, I'll speak plainly. If you are white, it's okay to expect more from young black men yeah. because they can hit the bar they just need the tools yeah i think we've got to build the supports around them but also we've got to we've got to speak life into children right we you know we have to believe in their greatness yeah in order for them to believe in their greatness yep. and whatever we believe about them look i don't accept certain grades in my house mm-hmm. and so my kids don't come home with those grades right. now if you need me to sit down at the table with you and do your homework because you know that you're not going to meet the bar yeah. then that's what we've conditioned you for sure but if nobody ever expects right. you to bring home great right. grades if nobody ever expects you to do well in to school try. nobody has ever said to you you can be amazing they've not and introduced you to your value exactly and i just i root for these young men and every time i say you guys have it so hard because even those of you who are doing it the right way, which I do believe is the majority, 
nobody sees you because they're too bu- too busy criticizing the percentage that doesn't. And they need us to support them and love on them and help them understand they can be great. Yeah, and I think, you know, if we're being honest, we do have a crisis in education around black boys in this city, yeah. young yeah. black men in this city. Yeah. We have graduation rates that we should all be ashamed yep. of. And so I think that we've got to start taking a hard look at why we are accept, accepting less for these kids and really start to evaluate what we're holding true as a community yeah. in terms of our expectations and our desires for their lives. Because we are not going to fix anything else in this city unless we fix that. A hundred percent. I think winning just like failing is a process. It, it, it takes a process to win just like it takes a process to lose. The end result may seem immediate and all of a sudden, but they're often a long chain of events that led you to where that is. So let's talk about the Alliance here. I want to wrap up with that because man, this is something else. Talk about Maverick. I said Maverick earlier talking about a couple of school board members. This thing comes along and disrupt disrupts everything. So what is the Alliance? Yeah, we are a new, um, Baton Rouge Alliance for Students is a new 501c3 nonprofit organization um, really focused in on empowering families, helping families to understand how to navigate a changing system, elevating leaders. We care a lot about the folks who are making decisions for our kids. And mm-hmm. so we are really engaged in the process and working on getting everybody else engaged in the process of determining who our leaders are and making sure that we have a more engaged citizenry. Right. Because one of the things that I started um, previously in my work at New Schools for Baton Rouge was having conversations with community leaders across our city to talk about their role in making sure that we have a public education system right. that is doing what we want for all of our kids in our city. And, um, you know, and then also really elevating the voice of community. You know, who's showing up to make sure that the decisions that are being made are in the best interest of community? Yeah. We're those people, right? Oh, man. Oh, man. I don't know that uh, I'm trying to think of any anything like this that has existed before. I mean, there have been education packs and groups that have been around, some advocacy groups that are around and that have been around and and that are still around, but this is so different than you and Liz pairing together. Yeah, there's a, I think there are a lot of strong partners who do this work on a statewide level. I think the difference in the alliances, we are homegrown, Baton Rouge through and through, we're really focused on, we wake up every day focused on what's right for kids in Baton Rouge. What's your goal? Yeah. Like what's on your target board? Because I know you have one. Well, I think there are a lot of things, but an excellent education, making sure that we fulfill our promise to every kid in this city. So, um, you know, those are the things we want people to be more engaged in the process. We want leaders to be more engaged in the process. We want everybody to be talking about what's happening at the school board meetings at their cocktail parties. You know, we want to we want school board to be front and center because yeah. it, we think that it's an issue that should be front and center. And so right. we're focused on making sure that that's the case. And you are not in any way interested in avoiding figuratively of course turning over some tables to make certain that kids get the attention they need no we are unapologetically warriors for our children's future so i mean that is that is who we are you know what (laughs) everybody listening to this who knows you going okay mild mannered right (laughs) i'm very mild mannered right 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 aren't you training for like an iron woman or something right now i just finished iron man training i'm trying to figure out what happens next with that so so that's what i'm talking about that's who's out there fighting for the kids how can people learn more about the alliance yeah bralliance.org you can also follow us on instagram or facebook um we are currently um really 
focused in on our Changemakers program, Torch, which is our candidates and campaigners program, mm -hmm. really making sure that we have people engaged in the conversation and making sure that everybody finds their role in being a part of the solution. We can't do this by ourselves, right. so we want everybody coming with us. So once the school year gets started and we kind of get a view of the landscape, Dr. Narcisse has to deal with whatever the governor's recommendations are going to be about the coronavirus, and I know they're dealing with that now, and my hat's off to them, but once we get started and we see where it's going, why don't you come back in here again? We'll talk some more. Absolutely, anytime. She's going to do the TV show, too, so she was like hesitating when I said that. No, you know you have to do it. Hang out with come, you, come on. You, you, happy you, to hang out with I've you. Already, look, I'm talking to Liz already. It's already being arranged. <laughs> you know I'm not in charge of my schedule. It's fine. You know how to get me. Thanks, AD. Take care. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at OpenEyesSafetyTraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. Unedited, unfiltered, undisputed. You're listening to The Clay Young Show. Yes, indeed. Did you miss me? <laughs> Thank you, AD, for being in studio with us and sharing your heart about public ed and how we reach these kids and get them to fall in love with education. I think it's an important thing, and we should we should support groups like Adonica's and all of the people out there, the teachers who work so hard every day to touch these kids, and there's so many teachers who who care about, you know, just making these kids see what they can become. And I really, really am. I'm excited about what the, what the work Alliance will do will look like here in the capital region. So that is coming up. All right. No long closing today. Thank you for listening to the show. Hit the subscribe button. You'll catch it every time a new one pops in. Don't forget the TV show WBRZ plus it streams live on WBRZ.com, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, excuse me, Central Time, uh, WBRZ.com. Also on Hulu and Roku, just search Clay Young Show. Have a great one, and we'll catch you next time here at Podcast225.com for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.